I'm Emma Louise Coffey and welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's show, it's all about the newborn calf. Joining us this week is Emer Kennedy, calf expert and research officer from Chagas Moor Park. And she's got some helpful advice on colostrum and hygiene management, starting with the 123 of colostrum care. To me, the colostrum 123 rule is by far one of the most important things in, in calf management. So when we talk about 123, one is the first milking and only the first milking. So it's that first milk that the cow produces. The reason we focus on the first milking is because it is the only milking that has enough antibodies um, to give to the calf for its first feed. By the time you get to the second milking, the amount of antibodies in the colostrum has halved and it's just not good enough to feed to the calf for the first feed. Two then is within two hours of birth. So um, by getting it within two hours of birth, the absorption of the antibodies is at its highest. By the time you get to six hours, that absorption ability of the calf has halved and at 24 hours, the calf can't actually absorb any more antibodies. So that's why we're focusing on two hours. And then three is three litres. So we want to feed three litres of milk so um, or colostrum. So that's basically eight and a half percent of their birth body weight. So for an average size calf that's born, so about 35 kilos, that's your three litres. Um, if you have, for example, purebred jerseys or big Holstein Frisians you can adjust it then for yourself based on weight once you you calculated eight and a half percent of their birth body weight and in terms then of colostrum the colostrum isn't always available in uh, in terms of the the mother of the calf um what can we do um you know as an alternative to the mother's colostrum so as an alternative to the mother's colostrum well obviously the gold standard is that when the cow calves um you milk that cow and you feed that that calf its own mother's colostrum however I guess we have to acknowledge that that's not always possible particularly in larger calving herds where um, you know labour labour is an issue um, so one thing that you can do is identify um, your healthy cows for example those that are free of yonis um, and milk those cows at like the, the next milking but again one of the biggest things is checking the quality of the colostrum and that's using we say a Brick's refractometer to do that um, so it only takes a few seconds and you're looking for everything Thing that's over 22%. So once you're sure that you have high enough quality, um, because even to go back to the one, two, three rule, that you say, like, you can um, control how much you feed the calf, you can control when you feed the calf. The one unknown there is the quality. So if you're testing it, at least you know um, you, ha- you have that covered. So um, in terms of storing it, once we're sure that the quality is high enough, then we can put it into to milk cartons, for example. Um, but you need to put it into the fridge straight away within the first three hours or so after collecting the colostrum. Um, and once you put it into the fridge, label it with a cow, no pooling, um, individual cow samples, um, label it and then put the 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 date and the, the time. Um, and then that'll last perfectly for, for two days. Um so, for example, what we do is every two days we go through the colostrum that's in the fridge and take out whatever is two days old and you just discard it, you just throw it out at that stage. Um, and like that, if the colostrum isn't above the 22% in the bricks refractometer, then like you can use it for a second feed to that, just don't use it for, for the first feeding. 
And you mentioned getting the colostrum into the fridge in the first three hours. A lot of farmers now would store it in buckets in in the calf shed. How important is it to get it into the fridge and why? So one of the biggest problems is that the, you have growth of bacteria when the when the colostrum, we'll say, is, at, is warm or at room temperature. And although you can test the quality of the colostrum and it looks like it's it's high enough quality, and in actual fact, the, the antibodies are proteins and the bacteria is going to bind to those proteins. So when the calf tries to absorb the antibodies from the colostrum, it's not actually able. So although it looks like it's high quality, all that bacteria is um, preventing the absorption of the antibodies. So you're not doing essentially as good a job as, as you think. And in terms then of, we're ta- we've, we've discussed the fridge, but if we want to freeze our colostrum, what are your recommendations for freezing? The exact same thing. You test the quality, you make sure it's high enough quality um, and you put it into the freezer straight away and it will last for at least a year. Um, in the freezer so it's actually really good practice that you know when you reach peak calving and you have more colostrum than you actually need that you you would put some into into the freezer now you have two options when you put it into the freezer you can use like you know milk cartons or you can use freezer bags the best is probably to use um, we'll say freezer bags because with a ziplock um, because you have a greater surface area so then when it comes to defrosting uh, that colostrum it's it's a lot faster. The one word of warning there is that, you know, when you're putting the bags in and out of the freezer, the corners can rip and tear. So when you're defrosting it, don't put it into um, the, the bag straight into the warm water. Maybe put it into a bucket and put that bucket into warm water. The problem with using the cartons is that they're so thick in the middle, it takes an awfully long time for them to defrost. And, you know, you're less inclined to, to wait around and feed, feed the calf. So the bags kind of work better. And just one last thing then, um, in terms of defrosting, people use different methods. What would you recommend as the best? The best method is is just putting it into warm body temperature water. You know, some people um, use things like the microwave or putting it into boiling water. Like if you take the microwave, you've probably put the, your dinner into the microwave and gotten hot spots in it that parts of it are really hot and parts are really cold. So it's the same thing. Like as we said, the antibodies are proteins. They're going to be denatured or killed at 60 degrees. Um, so you have very little control over the temperature. And the same when you put it into boiling water. Um, you know, even the water that comes from, from the... The, the calf shed, the boiler in the calf shed could be over 80 degrees and that's just going to kill the kill the antibodies. So you have to be very careful in how you defrost it and just put it into body temperature water to, to do that. Is there anything we can do between now and calving to ensure the quality of the colostrum is high in our cows? And I suppose can you just run through what are the factors affecting colostrum quality? So like I guess having your cows in the correct condition score um, making sure that they you know that they're well fed, that the nutrition is good at the cows, that's going to determine the, the colostrum quality ensure that it's, it's as good as it, as it potentially can be when the calves are born. Um, I guess some of the factors to consider in terms of the quality when the cow has calved, um, the first one is parity. Sometimes um, farmers think that colostrum quality from heifers is a lot poorer than mature cows but in all the studies that we've done we haven't really found that um, again you're not going to actually know un- unless you, you test the quality of the colostrum to me one of the biggest things that affects the quality of the colostrum is the time between calving and uh, milking or collection of colostrum so it's going to be at its highest straight after calving but the further you go from calving the, the poorer the quality because the cow is essentially producing more milk and just diluting down those antibodies so for example for any farmers um, who are considering once a day milking this spring while it's a brilliant like labour saving um, tool it's just the colostrum quality that you potentially need to watch because once you go nine hours after calving so between calving and collecting that colostrum the quality tends to reduce 
like invariably we'll see cows, you know, that may be calved um, early in the evening and aren't milked again until the following morning, that their colostrum quality is a lot lower than, um, say, cows who were milked more or less straight after um, calving. So that's just something to watch out for. And the other thing then is towards the end of the season, your late calvers, those kind of April, May time calvers, they're colostrum quality also tends to be um, a bit lower and that's probably because they've been on silage for a much longer um, period of time with poor quality feed and that's been reflected then the colostrum quality. So to overcome that it's always good to have a supply of colostrum um, in the freezer you know that you can defrost and use and again even as we were saying during, during peak calving that um, you store some of it and which will last until next year. So like for example if your heifers calve down and they don't have enough colostrum um, that you have some um, on standby to, to feed them. So I think we've covered everything in terms of the management of feeding of colostrum. So there's a big debate uh, whether we feed whole milk or we feed powder. And, you know, some people then think they're reluctant to feed uh, powder for a week or two. So what are your recommendations in terms of the conversion from whole milk to powder? If we even go back a step that you have your colostrum um, feeding and then you move on to your transition milk. So, you know, ideally you'd feed transition milk for maybe um, three to four days. Um, particularly like if you vaccinated the cows for, for corona or rota um, to get the antibodies into the calf although we said you can't the calf can't absorb any more antibodies after 24 hours there tends to be a local effect in, in the gut um, so you know if you have problems with rota you, you do need to, to feed um, that transition milk to, to get um, the benefit from it Um like we have done studies here where we've shown that like by feeding transition milk you're going to reduce the amount of droopy ears and runny eyes and nose um of the of the calves compared to going straight on to, to whole milk or, or onto milk replacer. Um for herds that potentially have a yonase issue or, you know, they're they're involved um in, in kind of minimizing their, their yonase um outbreak if they have positive cows, there is a strategy there that you can go straight on to milk replacer after um, the first feed of colostrum. However, your colostrum management needs to be um, absolutely 100%. You need to follow that colostrum one to three rule um, to, to the letter um, and then you can go straight onto it. But as I said, you know, you are going to re- receive the benefits of feeding transition milk. So if at all possible, you should feed it. Um, and once you've fed that for three, three to four days, there's no problem then going on to either whole milk or on to um, milk replacer. Um, once you have good quality whole milk or good quality milk replacer, there should be no difference in performance between, between the two. In terms of the practices. You've been on a lot of uh, dairy farms during the spring and you're working at Chagas Moor Park uh, during the spring. What are you seeing that is good practice and leads to good calf health? To me, like from what we've seen and from my own experience, colostrum management and hygiene are by far the two most important factors um, when it when it comes to calf management. Like for example, we were out in farms um, last spring doing some survey work um, and one of the one of the, the measurements we took was taking um, just swabs for bacteria counts on some feeding equipment and by far the dirtiest piece of equipment were the stomach tube and the bottle and teat so the very first things that the calf the newborn baby calf comes into contact with were, were the dirtiest um, and again we've shown time and time again that farmers who have um, you know good colostrum management practices and really good hygiene that they have reduced level of mortality in their calf 
calves, reduce sickness in the calves. Those calves then go on um, to calve at a younger age. And also um, that's probably because they have a higher weight gain um, because they, they've had they've had less the problems during the, the rearing period. Finally, just to get your top three tips on how to manage calves in the first few days of life. So definitely um, colostrum management is... Um, is the number one so that that one two three rule again hygiene keeping everything um clean and i guess you know the, the next thing it's related to, to the hygiene but having a good clean bed of um straw that both the the calf is born into and also that the the calf can can nestle into when it's when it's young emer kennedy thanks for all your advice around managing the newborn calf thank you that's it for this week's episode of the dairy edge my thanks to emer kennedy for joining me on the show don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.